Hi, this is Meredith. And I'm Kristen, and we'd like to welcome you to The Writer's Story. Story. Um, every month we get together um, and talk about craft and the writer's journey, and in future episodes we plan to have guests on, exciting writers that we know. We'll talk about challenges, inspiration, how folks came to writing, and um, how they're making their way through the latest project. So we're excited to have you with us. And today, um, for our first episode, we're going to start with our own journeys, and we're going to discuss how we got where we are today and um, the issues that we're grappling with. Each of us are writing in a couple of different genres. Each of us are traditionally published authors um, in different genres, and we are exploring new ones as well. So we welcome you on our own journey. So Kristen, I just want to start because they don't know who we are. So <laughs> tell, us, tell us about a little about your life and how you came to become a writer, since I know that wasn't how you started off. Yeah, yes, I actually, when I got serious about being an adult, somewhere in college, high school even, maybe, I was thinking more of the sciences um, and majored in biology, but I, I've always loved reading. And I happened in college to pick up another major in religious studies, and that became a passion for me. And I continued studying that to the tune of a PhD and then a tenured professorship as a professor of the history and literature of ancient, um, the ancient Near East, which is like Old Testament stuff. And in the world of academia, you may have heard the phrase publisher perish. So publishing took on another kind of angle for me. But at the same time, I discovered in the course of doing the writing that I needed to in that field that I was able to think about something differently by virtue of writing it. And so writing became a way of discovering some of what I was thinking and also discovering brand new things. And I'll tell you a story about working on my dissertation when I first developed the proposal for the dissertation. I was having so much fun writing it and tried to make it a really compelling thing. And it was rejected. I failed my proposal because they said it was too interesting and it needed to be more boring. <laughs> so, so clearly the, a career change was in order. Yes, but I didn't see that for years to come. I could have saved myself a lot of trouble had I just bolted then. Alas, I didn't. Decades later. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. In short, I left. I did leave the academy, though I do miss the teaching and there were wonderful things about it, but um, for lots of different reasons. And I am fortunate to be able to write full time now and to write in all sorts of genres. So I, Right. And you, you first published in nonfiction. That's right. Yep. I wrote um, a few books, actually, of nonfiction. Um, one that was the sort of tenure-granting book, Living Through Pain, a book about the biblical book of Psalms and chronic pain. And I wrote a book for 
general readers, we call them. I you. prefer <laughs> educated non-specialists, <laughs> people who don't necessarily specialize in a field but want to know more about it. I wrote about the Bible um, in a book called Bible Babble, B-A-B-E-L, that uh, was published by Harper. And that's a kind of everything you wanted to know about the Bible but didn't know enough to ask sort of book. And then I published a book of nonfiction, just a little wee thing of creative nonfiction, a little bit more, um, oh, thinking about spirituality and my own um, interests and in environmental issues and my background with Christian traditions. And um, yeah, generated a little book called uh, God of Earth, Discovering a Radically Ecological Christianity co-wrote a book with a colleague about religious studies to help our students understand how we would be approaching the study. So those are the things that I, the books that I've published, but a number of other books sit on the shelf, and I'm excited to talk more about those books of fiction, historical, YA, contemporary adult, um, and yeah, I'm excited to talk more about those as we go along. Meredith, <laughs> I want to hear about you. Uh, well, um, <clears throat> I talk about myself often as um, a recovering filmmaker um, mm -hmm. because um, I think around about in junior high, um, I became very interested um, in becoming a documentary filmmaker. And so I sort of focused on that. Um, but at the same time, I always wrote, I mean, I'm sure you were the same, um, poems and short stories yes. and everything. Um, I think I attempted my first novel um, probably around third or fourth grade. Um, and, you know, and everything would sort of gr grind to a halt after, you know, a certain number of chapters <laughs> because I actually had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but um, it was sort of the process of sitting down and writing. Um, I have kept a journal since probably about you. the age of five. Uh, my early entries are quite brief. Um, I so admire <laughs> journal keepers. <laughs> but fascinating, fascinating stuff to me anyway. Um, and in any case, um, I went off to college. Um, I did a documentary in college about my childhood, um, which was a really interesting process, which is sort of the process of not making your family angry, which may be why I don't write a lot of nonfiction, um, and then, uh, or memoir. And then um, I went to film school. I worked in the business and I went to film school and I directed two feature films, one that I had written um, and directed and produced and the other that I, um, someone else had written and I directed. And that was sort of the film that broke me. And I think after that I thought, well, my husband turned to me at one point and said, you don't seem to be having any fun. Mm. And I thought, oh, you know what? You're really right. Um, and probably it was the process of sort of trying to take 42 people, and I'm not kidding. Wow. So we were shooting 35 millimeter in Pittsburgh, um, and it was a film um, called Achilles Love, <laughs> set in the Greek community in Pittsburgh. And I was trying to get them all to do my bidding and try to do a create something together, but trying to be respectful of where they were coming from. And that was just like a little too much collaboration. 42 <laughs> people. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not kidding. Wow. There was like actors and we had like Greek extras, old men, you know, and it was, it was, it was, some of it was quite exciting, but at the same time it was really, really draining. And at the end I just felt not that 
not that I had, I just didn't feel like I had a lot of ownership over the final product. And that mm -hmm. I think made me feel like, eh, maybe this isn't for me. Um, I ran away to Paris and I started a novel and that sounds like, like a novel <laughs> itself. <laughs> Is that the beginning of the book? I ran away to Paris. I started a novel. Um, we lived in Paris for about five months and the process of having another language around all oh. the time, I think sent me really internal and I didn't write a screenplay. I started writing a novel and I realized I love reading. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then my choice in an evening is to watch a film or read. I often oh. choose a book and I just thought, you oh, know, maybe this is really what I should be doing. Um, you know, 12 years later, I worked on TV for 12 years. <laughs> but at the same time, I was writing. And in the middle of that, I um, had a baby. And I realized, oh, this is really challenging because you can't just take a child on a film set. And so um, I was pregnant and a friend said, um, let's write a mystery and let's set it in our neighborhood. And at the time I was living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which was a center of like hipster artville and, um, you know, where everyone was trying to be so original and managing to all look exactly the same. And <laughs> so I thought, oh, this is a great idea because we actually live in this neighborhood and there's, it's very Puerto Rican Dominican and there's... Um, the Hasidim just blocks away, and then there's the Poles, and then there's the Italians. Yeah, that would be really fun. So we came up with some original ideas. Um, we started writing, and she almost immediately dropped out. And so I kept writing. Good and at some you. point I said, you know, are you still, are you still, in? and she was far too busy with whatever she was up to. So I finished the book, um, and then I said to myself, oh, um, well, I've written a mystery, um, maybe I'll, figure out if there's a mystery community. And so I discovered Sisters in Crime and I went to my first meeting in Brooklyn and I met some other women and I said, do you have any kind of writing group? Because I'd been in writing groups as a screenwriter. And one of them said, oh, well, I'm actually going to restart one. So I got together, they started reading my book and that's when I learned that I had done everything wrong uh, for mystery, which is <laughs> I had about 75 pages of getting to know ya. <laughs> And then the mystery kicked in, and by that time, you're, of course, your reader has put down the book and gone to find somebody <laughs> that really knows how to write of throat clearing. But um, I did. I loved the characters, and I'd gotten um, I'd gotten a lot under my belt. So I actually had a, another great idea, and I wrote that book in about a year, which is, I think, probably my record from start to finish. And I entered it into a contest that St. Martin's has, um, um, the best traditional mystery competition. And I won. And publication was the prize. And so I That's had awesome. my first mystery published, um, Posed for Murder. And then um, I got to write them another one, and I did. And that was called Dead in the Water. And, um, and that was a really interesting process. I mean, the publishing process is sort of like the how the sausage gets made and there's a lot of like disillusionment in that but it was it was a fun ride um and then at that point um I moved to Virginia so I was not actually that excited about writing about Williamsburg Brooklyn any longer <laughs> and my editor died who when I signed with her she was 88 um and she passed away in her 90s and so I sort of got orphaned and then I thought to myself, I don't know what I'm doing and so I don't know what I want to do and so I actually ended up writing a whole lot of other things in a lot of other genres and then yeah. we can talk about that today. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of 
where we are, I've published also um, um, a lot of essays and um, I blog, which is my journal writing stuff. And then I also have done a lot of short stories. So yeah. I think yeah. like, that's where we're talking about today is sort of where are we now? What's yeah. exciting to us now? What are we struggling with right now? Yes, yes. And for me, some of what I am... Writing now is and working on now is fiction. I've returned to some historical fiction. I also love food, all things food, and have this enduring environmental, ecological concern, interest, and I've started tying those together in a, a food kitchen lifestyle blog. And called. what's the link? <laughs> oh, oh, called. Okay, called. They can search for it. Called Pretty Good Kitchen. Pretty Good Kitchen. Yeah. Prettygoodkitchen.com. Um, so these days, I have been writing in a lot of different genres, and we're going to talk, obviously, about that a little bit. But um, right now, I'm revising uh, a YA mystery, and I am doing a first draft of a romance novel. Um, and th so those are those are both really intriguing for me, and I think I like to mix it up. I think I yeah. get um, I worry about getting stale, and I don't want to always write in one genre. And I know that's really probably a very bad business decision, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things that we talk a little bit about is when you are, and even if you are. Um, um, currently having an editor waiting for you, that a big important part of the process for us is that it's enjoyable. Yes. And that we're doing things that are engrossing to us and not just trying to satisfy yes. someone, some, I don't know, faceless, nameless yes. reader, or everyone's writing erotica vampire fiction. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> that's what you must write. No, yes. I mean, so yes. we, we like to write stuff that we want to read and, and sort of yeah. being true to that, even if it means yes. you know, living off of something else <laughs> yeah. Yeah. other than your writing. Yeah. So that's... Yeah. yeah, and there are a couple pieces to it, I think. There's the, the gauging, is it fun when you're writing that first draft when really nobody is waiting for it. The world is not holding its breath. They don't know it exists. They don't know <laughs> it exists yet. And, um, and maybe, you know, in those moments, especially if you don't have representation, if you haven't published before, um, it seems like those are moments I wish I had done, maybe a little bit more soul-searching along the way. There are good times to think, is this something I'm really passionate about? Am I... Am I excited by this project? My experience has been that pretty much any project I get excited about when I'm in it, <laughs> because there's something about the putting uh, words together in a manner that communicates an idea or a feeling or some kind of sensibility that is its own sort of satisfying challenge. But um, big picture wise, yeah, don't take on maybe the vampire erotica if that's just, just not because someone told you that was what was you saying exactly yeah. exactly and I also think that um the other thing to always remember with a book because you know when I worked in mystery people would say well I really want to write a private eye novel but they're not selling oh and, and I wouldn't. and I would say no mm. but then I would say 
you know, by the time you're done, yeah. <laughs> maybe they're selling yeah, again. I mean, exactly. the, the publishing. Let's be honest, it takes a while. <laughs> it does take a while. And the publishing cycle can be very cyclical. And no one has read your Private Eye novel. No yeah. one has read your vampire erotic fiction yeah. novel. And so yep. if that's your thing, yes. write the best one that you can. And, and, yes. and, 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 and you know. Yeah. And that you want to yeah. already puts it in good stead yes. because it will and reflect some passion. And hopefully you yours. read other ones that are similar. Yeah. And then you know what you're writing about. And that's the other thing. Well, you were talking a little bit about first draft. And um, and I think uh, that's always a really interesting sort of division. I always talk about the when people say, well, what's your process? And I say, well, there's the first draft honeymoon yeah, phase, right? Because it's <laughs> brand new. Every, every, every day is brand new. Yeah. And um, I know people <laughs> like to complain about writing a lot. And I think to me more the, the pain is figuring out how to fit it in and then getting into that mode where it really does feel like it's flowing and that can be yeah. challenging with everything else going on in your life. Um, and also feeling like maybe I don't know what I'm writing about, but it's like a honeymoon, it's a flow. And then there's <laughs> and the revision. Then. <laughs> there's the revision. And, and I always say, um, it's good to get a little distance after a first draft mm-hmm. and put it away because you then you put on your editor hat and your writing hat should be a really accepting, kind <laughs> yeah. mindset, right? Yeah. You should yeah. say, Kristen, this is awesome. You're doing a great <laughs> job. This is really gonna work. Oh, I it's, didn't need to. This hear is this so awesome. And, <laughs> and people are gonna love this book when it's all done. And that you, so you can just accept and write and write and write and write and get your draft done. Yeah. Um, but then yeah. you're going to turn over to the editor and the editor goes, huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. My own internal editor goes, huh. You went a little crazy here. <laughs> yeah. And you had this character who suddenly just wanders off the page, never comes back again. We started in Brooklyn. Maybe that was wrong. suddenly we're in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe that'll work. But maybe something needs to happen for this to work, you know. Yeah. And and yeah. so then, so that's a really different hat. And I think yes, um, I, I think the distance helps. Yeah, yeah. But but we were going to talk a little too also about revision. Yeah. And sometimes with the distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I want to come back to first draft a little bit okay, because perfect. I hear you and the honeymoon and the excitement and the. Um, feeling like every day, every page is new, meeting that with excitement and energy. But sometimes I'm not feeling that in the first draft either. And I got to say, one of the things that I find both exciting and super challenging about writing is that at any moment, with any word, there are a million choices. And I applaud and I do embrace the just write on W-R-I-T-E, right on, <laughs> because um, it's so easy to get stymied by the myriad choices you have. That said, I also realistically appreciate that once I have a draft, it is virtually impossible for me to throw that out and to re-entertain all those other choices that I didn't make back when I was composing. Now, for for better or worse, 
<laughs> and hopefully it's always better that we take one track and then we come back and we edit with that draft something even finer. But I do find in the, in the first draft stage, there are some challenges that compromise my passion and energy for it. And one of them is that decision-making. Um, right. And sometimes you do just have to make a choice. Yes. I mean, you can sit yeah. there and say, you know, it's like the choose your own adventure or whatever. You, you, eventually yes. you do have to just go to page 69 and my, and, yeah. and die or whatever. Happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my consolation is, well, I'll just write another book later. So this one's just going to go this way. That's fine. And the then, next book okay. I write will be a new project again. That's um, a way for me to get around that. Yeah. I think that I can become quite paralyzed sometimes. And um, and then the way I sort of figure that out is because I'm doing anything but right. You know, I'm, yes. you know, my house is really clean. <laughs> <laughs> a bad sign for any writer. <laughs> I've just bought a whole lot of bulbs <laughs> that I need to plant. <laughs> yeah. And, ooh, let's make all this exciting food. I don't yes. know. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. that there's always a, a warning sign for me. Um, some of the things... I think I've found to try to deal with it. And some of it I've done from um, screenwriting in the past is to try to maybe change the view of the page and, and think about what different do you ways. Mean I think it can be any number of things. Um, one is to dictate rather than write. Oh, yeah. Just mechanically, mechanically change it up. Change it up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Do... Uh, Pencil to paper rather than typing. I am a typer yeah. because yeah. I like the efficiency that it's already in there. But maybe you need to go, yeah, to a cafe with a with lined paper and or not and, and write yeah. it out in a different way. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, or or do some imagining. Yeah, and I think that's to yeah. sort of say like, all right, so she's going to go to Minnesota. Yeah, what will that give it. me? Mm -hmm. What will that? limit me in my story oh, yeah. and am I going to get where I want to go um, and I I yeah. know people are very different about outlining or not and I think outlining is probably I mean if, if anyone would like to suggest a different word that might be helpful because I think outline we all think of like those horrible things we had to do in grade school yeah, Roman 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 Roman. Exactly. capital letter A <laughs> exactly <laughs> and that you felt very uh like it was a ridiculous system and you didn't understand very artificial artificial it mm -hmm. felt very artificial and and i and i think if you get away from that to sort of say did you come up with a rough plan for yeah. me it's all yeah. very roughed in and um we were talking yeah. just the other night with a group of writers and people talked about yeah their their feelings about saying never outline but i do plan ahead and and the yeah. person who yeah. was talking about that um is a mother of small kids and I used to always say, yeah, I outline because I get interrupted a lot. Mm -hmm. And when you get interrupted, you it helps to you to sort of see a yeah. sentence that says, and now she's going to go buy a plane ticket and go to Minnesota. Now, does that tell you your whole story? No, it just gives you a little clue. And then mm -hmm. in the course of that, and there's things that are going to happen and, and stuff. And you maybe know some of it and maybe don't, and you're mm -hmm. going to find that. But, but just to have a little bit of a idea, um, helps me maybe go a little more confidently. It's sort of that whole notion. Yeah. Do yeah. you see just as far as your headlights? Yep. Was that E.L. Doctorow? Do you have a map that yeah. tells you a little more? Yep. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think either way is fine. I think some can be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
to see just as far as your headlights. Yeah. But if it's causing you anxiety. Yeah. Or you're stuck. I would say take it in another yeah, another direction and, and, and yeah. just maybe think about if you could yeah. look at it differently. Yeah. I have um, the fun that I have with first drafts is some of that discovering the story. And, uh, and when it's really going well, it's the excitement of wondering what's going to happen next, that it ca- can come so fast and be such fun immersing yourself in this world that you've set up and then sort of set in motion. But for me, I, I do have to know some, uh, there have to be some guideposts along the way. For me, it's whether it's the ending or something critical about the character that I know I want that person to bear or in some way reveal. So that helps me mark my way through a draft. Um, but there is a thrill of, of discovering where is this going to go. Oh, yeah. And I think I've written both ways. Yeah. I can now say that I've written both ways. And it is a big mess for me when I don't have a plan. Yeah. But I yeah. might be more creative. I don't know. I, I yeah. hope things don't get stale um, as I, you know, you plod through. Especially with a mystery, you're always like, well, you know, you have this whole thing. You have to do these things. So you know you have to kill somebody. You know you have to try to figure out oh, who yeah. did it. And then you know that there has to be a reveal. There has to be a conclusion. That's in a traditional mystery. And other mysteries do other things. But so once you know those guideposts, yes, you know that covers yeah. So thousands of thousands. genre fiction yeah. comes with its own set of expectations for the story so that can be a helpful sort of recipe. Not that. I mean, that there are so many yeah. shows that there but, are a million yeah. different ways to do that. And they're very satisfying. It's a three-act yes. structure, really. And I think that a lot of, um, I think one of the issues with literary fiction, um, if they would like me to fix them and improve their yeah. sales, um, I'd be happy to help, <laughs> um, is, to re- is really getting away from the three-act structure. The three-act structure, I think, is very satisfying to yes. us as humans. Yes. Aristotle, it's very yes. like... It's like a species around the fire. I feel it's in our bones or something. Mm -hmm. And so I think we start to lose the path of something when it is just a meander. Yeah. That doesn't have those kinds of ups and downs that we're expecting. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that it has to be exactly that. But I mean, you've all had that experience where you read this book and you're like, this book is really good. And then it just ends. And you're like, Am I missing some pages? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what happened? What happened? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah. you think, well, you've kind of, you haven't really wrapped it up for me. Like, yeah. I kind of wanted something, and you don't always know mm-hmm. what it is because you yeah. expect them to know what it is and give it to you. But yeah, yeah. So, so I think that there's a lot to be said as a reading really widely, and then taking yeah. sort of great stuff from different things. I mean, yeah. something that literary fiction does really well is creates wonderful characters. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and the tone mm-hmm. of a story. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the lyricism of the language, which you'd hope would exist in any any writing, but tends to be in um, amplified in yes. literary fiction. Yes, and I think that's often also the time spent um, on a book 
and yeah. the talent of the author. Yeah. yeah, but honing it and really thinking about words themselves while you're writing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you're thinking that genre fiction is making the story run forward. Run forward. And there's just a different focus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, and I think that's true, you know, from my experience in film too. It's films have different sort of goals and they're different. True, true. And yeah. so, yeah. um, and what and pacing is super important yeah for different films so you know a very i don't know if you can call it a lyrical film i i will i'll just will but a very a, a very um thoughtful art film yeah will spend a lot of time finding beautiful things or horrible things for you to look at and then yeah. lingering over them and that it's yeah. like it has all the time in the world and and a and a in a genre movie that's mm -hmm. beautiful, like Black Panther, mm -hmm. has a lot of things to accomplish, and they have a whole hero's journey to create. Yeah. So there's, it can linger over something gorgeous, but there might also have to be some feeling of doom or some yeah. feeling of urgency. And yeah. So yeah. like that's yeah. out of the way. We've seen the mountain. Now we're gonna go in, and now we're gonna go, 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 yes. and now we're gonna have a fight scene. Yeah. And so I think you have to think about what you're. Your yeah, your, your genre is, but also what your goals are. We've talked now some about um, three-act structure, the quest narrative, things. If you're not familiar with these listeners out there, um, check out some. You'll find them in any kind of basic intro to screenwriting. I've learned a lot about story by actually just reading a bit about um, screenwriting and then writing my own screenplay, yeah. which was loads of fun, by the way. How about that? <laughs> we're, we're neither Meredith nor I are particularly good at sticking to one genre <laughs> and marketing ourselves as a one who writes that. We're all, well, each of us are having a lot of fun yes. writing in different, yes. different genres. But film is a great way to learn some of the basics of the things that Meredith was talking about that, that really create uh, sort of viscerally compelling story. And just because they've been around for thousands of years does not make them old or stale. On the contrary, <laughs> tried and true. Um, so yeah, think a bit about that. And Joseph Campbell is the thinker, writer, um, who, who um, articulated this hero's journey in the most popular way. So you might have a look at that as well. And... George Lucas was a big aficionado, aficionado of, 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 of Campbell and yes. used it very much for his Star Wars series, which yeah. sold a few tickets. <laughs> a few? Here a few. and there? Some people have seen it. Might have Among heard the of it. Crowd. <laughs> yes, exactly. The sci-fi aficionado. <laughs> um, okay. But I think you can really see a lot of what he's talking about in Star Wars, and it's it's a good it's a good sort of place to look but I, I think mm -hmm. you know it's a lot of fiction I think sort of postmodern um kind of walked away from yes. the three-act structure that was very mm -hmm. oh it's, yeah. you know yeah it's old it's stale we're mm -hmm. gonna write all in lowercase with no punctuation <laughs> <laughs> which can be a fun <laughs> And I don't. Did you ever read James Joyce's Ulysses? No, I'm going to be there. No, I know. Maybe we we'll have to, to do make that. This our, that's 
that's our goal <laughs> <Anyway>. for 2019. <laughs> there you I have it. did folks. use capital letters. We'll check in. January. January. Yeah, we yeah, yeah, might stay have tuned. He might have used capital letters. Um, but there is a uh, there is a place for every kind of writing, and that's the other thing. I think we are in agreement that there really are no rules, which is why it's endlessly fascinating and fun to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> what do you is. do, and how do you do it? It is. And um, um, but yes, I do think if you are a beginning writer. Um, mm-hmm. To understand what the rules are, yes, exactly, is is a great starting point before you break the ball. Because yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, and and knowing, for instance, that three act structure, or knowing the hero's journey, and then looking at books or films that you especially like for those points, it's very different than reading a book to immerse yourself in its world, which we all love to do. It's probably why we all come to writing, right? right. But um, Or watching a film in order to escape and, and yeah, have just a great deal of fun, a rollicking good time, I'm or be really, I'm really depressed of any. Anyway, I digress. Um, it's different to watch a film or read a book with that intention of identifying those parts. And once you've done some of that, I think you're there. You know, you've learned some of the basics of what makes a story work um, in the most popular sort of ways. Right. And I think that um, that is extremely helpful because you at least have a place to start with your writing, um, even if you decide to veer off from that in yeah. some way and, and try something different. But you have a little bit of a starting point and an understanding of what you're changing in your story that might cause someone discomfort. And discomfort mm-hmm. is, is actually the intention of quite a few writers. And that's, yes. and that's yes. important. Mm-hmm. It's important to understand what they're doing, that they're making yeah. you, you, you have an expect, they're setting up an expectation and they're not delivering on the expectation. And that's an intentional thing rather mm-hmm. than just, bad writing. Yes. Which is yeah. a whole nother thing. Yeah. Which is what everyone does a lot of yes. before they become so a good writer. Do that. <laughs> do that. Good writers still write badly. <laughs> oh, yes. As Anne Lamott talks about developing yeah. that shitty first draft. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a learning curve, that's for sure. I the One of the projects that I'm working on now is this historical fiction set in the ancient world. And my first stab at this came out of an interest in writing a nonfiction book about Cyrus the Great, who founded the Persian Empire. I learned in the course of my researching that, that we don't know very much about him for sure. And in the course of learning more about him and learning what we don't know, I came, became captivated by some of the women in his life. And uh, I began to write a book that would sort of set up Cyrus's story that was just imagining things that might have been from the research that I had done. But I was just connecting dots and and recording some of the historical pieces that I imagined might have been true. But it wasn't really a story. It was many drafts later when I finally came to recognize and appreciate that she actually had to like do something. She had to suffer. She had to have a real character. And 
And then it, it started to get even more interesting for me. The, even the historical piece of the fiction became more interesting to me as I allowed myself to imagine her as a real person with desire and challenges, obstacles. And um, anyway, that was a transforming thing for me, recognizing that the story had to have those um, she had disorientation. She had to have disorientation. She had to want something. There had to be obstacles to her gaining that, and then it and took off a bit better. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that people stumble into on their first draft is they often um, create perhaps an interesting character, perhaps someone who is very much like themselves, which is endlessly fascinating. <laughs> But who has a lot of things happen to them. Oh, yes. And that's kind of a, I think maybe what I was hearing mm -hmm. you hint at, which is to say, True. Yes, and it is, right. it's very challenging because you're talking about a woman in a historic period mm -hmm. where maybe she didn't have a lot of agency. And so sometimes people will write historic fiction where women are just sassy and they tell everyone what's what, you know, and mm -hmm. you think maybe, but maybe not. I mean, maybe that was mm -hmm. how people were, but we don't actually know. But I think... I think the interesting thing is to, is you're right, is once you tap into what does the character desire, mm -hmm. um, yeah. many women were, were quite, um, um, you know, did, did lots of things in, no matter what period of time they were in, but they might have had to do it in a different way than men. They, weren't, they didn't necessarily have to be the one holding the sword and charging into the middle, but they're causing, you know, <laughs> yeah. change in the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's king and who's not, yeah. and they're doing all these things, and so what yeah. you needed to maybe tap into is, who is she? Yeah, now, in this case, she is a sword-wielding, horse-riding, wow. perfect, <laughs> yeah. Joan of Arc. She's she, a bit yeah. of a wild child. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and that's okay, but I think that, and that's, and that's why she's a great one to choose, and I think, but I think that the, so I think, but I do think that there is that whole thing where someone is like, well, they got banished, and then they yeah. got married off, and then yeah. they got whatever. Yeah. And those well, are we have all, stereotypes about Well, those what, are all mm -hmm. the things that have happened to someone. Right, yes. But it doesn't make for a good story. They have to act, yeah. take the reins in some way. And also the other thing we talked a little bit about in the revision process is sometimes you start your story in the wrong spot. <laughs> you mean in in place or time or in the wrong place in the manuscript in or, the story? I think in time. I usually think about time mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. So there's a tendency among people to start with like someone being born. Yes, yes. And I would say it's this a is logical been, starting point. And I would say this has been done successfully by some authors. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's a lot of time leading up to when possibly your story actually begins. Yeah, so, people talk about this throat clearing, that an author spends a lot of time clearing her throat <laughs> before getting to the point. Have you heard that? <laughs> no, that's a, good, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Like I, 15 pages. 15 I have pages. had, um, I've taught mystery and novel writing quite a few times, and one of the things I see a lot with first-time writers is I call it, they call it an info dump. Oh, yeah. Um, which is like, this is everything I know about these characters. And so I'm going to start by telling you every single thing I know. <laughs> Look at me. I know all this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I also call it resume writing. You know, and it's sort for of the resume it, of the character. For the resume of the character. Mm -hmm. It's been better suited for their job prospects rather than for your <laughs> novel, right? So they're like, 
he just recently got his MBA from Harvard and he's at a, you know, it's been working at this. It's like, that's great, but not on yeah. page one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. now of course I'm imagining, cause I'm always thinking rebelliously of a book that begins like those epistolary, is that what they call them? Epistolary novels that are based on letters that people write back. And you could start with a true, like, this is the resume. This is the resume. Yeah. But it's still, well, but only on a page, like a real true. Right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Right. I'm really digressing. No, no, but I think that's it. But you should do that. You should do that and make it work. And but I you bet can't you could. spend 50 pages laying no, it out. No. So there's the whole thing of, of weaving things in later. Um, yeah. And there's an art to that. But do you think that happens more in the revision or in that first draft? I think it's, um, I think it's revision. As I said, you don't want to censor yourself a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I have noticed that I've gotten better at first drafts. So yeah. my first drafts have... I have to do less cutting, and I, I've I've thrown out uh, probably two thirds of a book before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and just said, "Whoops, me too." Didn't work. Yeah. You know, start yep. someplace else. Yeah. Um, but what you learn about in screenwriting is the inciting incident, and mm -hmm. um, and that's what I always try to think about with my novel. Um, yeah. Why now? Why them? Yeah. And so yeah, tell talk a little more about the inciting incident. Okay. So so you know we all go along in our lives and we have various things that have happened to us, but some things are more intense than others, and some things send us off in new directions. Mm -hmm. And I think those um, get really more seared in our brain than mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, getting married or you know taking a new job or starting a different career, or quitting your job. These are all really intense. Mm -hmm. moments yes that set you on a new path mm -hmm. yeah and that is usually a good way to start a story because mm -hmm. I want to know why the story starts now mm-hmm yeah I'm going on a journey yeah I made a decision someone mm -hmm. died yes you know, there's something that's intense that has just happened yes. to me and this has now sent me on this new path or now I'm going to say now I want something yeah. I want yeah. closure. Yeah. I want this marriage to work. I want, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is that I want. I want to try something new. Is this a mistake? So mm -hmm. that is a good way to start. With a mystery, you're starting someone. There's there's trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've all been living in St. Mary's <laughs> very peacefully, but today <laughs> Mrs. McGillicuddy is dead and, and now we have to discover now now there's evil in our midst and we have to discover mm -hmm. who has killed this person mm -hmm. and so that we can have closure mm -hmm. and that this you know, we can lay her to rest and yeah. put this person in jail and yeah. move on. Yeah. So that's usually with a mystery. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to start, mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, like, oh, now I'm going to start with Mrs. McGillicuddy being born. Right. <laughs> right. Now we're going to learn everything there is about. And what? We killed her. Darn. Yeah. You just got to know her. <laughs> Page 75. And, yes, exactly. <laughs> now we start the story. And now we start the story. And yeah. that is, yeah. that is, so they usually say, um, people do an info dump on their first chapter and you just chop it off. Yeah. yeah, and fair but enough. But I don't say that too, because I think that's I think that's pretty. Well, and this it still hard. is the first chapter you need to write. You still may need to write that in order to find the start of the story. Yes, and um, I'm also more brutal, and I usually think maybe it even starts by chapter five. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but I also think nothing is written in vain, and that's a thing. When I tell someone who's just starting out writing that I've tossed off two thirds of a story, I've just said it didn't work. 
tossed it out. They'll go, oh, all that work. And I said, no one sees the work. And in fact, you never want to see any writer sweat. You just want to read it. Yes. And imagine that yes. it just flowed from their pen just yes. like that. Right? You actually, don't, they just evaporate. You don't want to hear about Stephen King's nine drafts. You, know, no. you just want to no. like enjoy the story and be yeah. transported and and not think about whether it had the three-act structure or whatever. You just want to get sucked into the story. That's so that's right. where you want to end up. Mm-hmm. So no one actually cares how long it took you, except possibly yeah. your agent and editor that were waiting. Yeah. <laughs> or your readers. But, um, or your family is waiting patiently. But I think um, letting that go and say, I am a servant to the story. Mm-hmm. I did this yeah. manuscript. And yeah. what can I do to make this the best thing ever? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it may mean cutting Chopping. a lot. And uh, boy, in this, this, I don't even, well, I call it the Persia books or the Babylon books. They now become, have become several. But... I have rewritten (laughs) so many times, and earlier drafts, not even the first one, were more ensemble, where a number of the characters had pretty significant roles, and we would get to know each one quite uh, well. But this is a novel. It's not a television series. Um, it's not, I, I didn't not have yet. this. Not yet, but if anyone's <laughs> listening, we yeah, have right. to offer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> willing. Yes. Willing to revise. Backstories of all these characters <laughs> written in, in my At name. least 12 episodes. Yes. Yeah. Minimal. <laughs> Three seasons. <laughs> but I think when I really got serious about finding the story that I would tell, I recognized that it needed to be this woman's story in particular, and we follow her um, as readers. So, yeah, I well, we'll talk. We'll talk down the road also about when we'll check in with you to we'll, see how this is going. <laughs> yes, and I think you and I, Meredith, can talk some more if y'all are interested out there in listening world about um, when to stop, when to give up, even. And should you always persevere? What is the, where's the balance there? We can talk about that down the road yeah. a little more. Yeah. And I think that that's, I, I like to say, get to a good stopping point. Yeah. And then make a decision. I have drawers filled with abandoned books. Yes. You know, that yes. I have at one stage or another said, no, this is not working. Yeah. Abandoned screenplays and abandoned you yeah, know, all same. sorts of things. Short stories. Same, same. Um, yes. But keep them on a file because it makes you feel better. I do anyway. I have a file of, well, I have files of old manuscripts, yeah. of course, that never have seen the light of day. And then I also have files. Do you save stuff you've cut? It makes it easier for me to cut yes. significant chunks from a manuscript yes, I got if I put them somewhere wonderful. else. Wonderful. I got that great advice from someone because I think um, it's so easy with Word and computers to just yes. save things to another folder yeah. and, you know, call it something precious, amazing scenes that <laughs> can't fit in this current draft, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And then you yeah. can put everything there and you say, well, I can always get it if I need it. Yes. Yep, and, and that then helps. cut from, cut from, and then and whatever that really the manuscript helps. is. And that really helps, because otherwise you can um, 
maybe keep them in just because you worked so hard on them and they were yes. something really beautiful that happened. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. But it feels but better it to know they live s- over here. They now. live over there now. They did not serve this current story. <laughs> they had to go. And I have illusions of sometime in my life way down ahead of rereading all of these things and making something of them. Yes. I'll just like keep a that quilt. Illu- I want to just keep that illusion alive. <laughs> Meanwhile, we go on. We'll pretend that it will happen. <laughs> but the fact is, you keep having lots of new ideas. This is the thing. And that's, I think, this is the thing. To leave yourself open to have the wonderful new plans and stories and ideas. That's always, you know, you don't want to shut the door or just work on the same thing for all the rest of your life. I don't yes. hope not. You yes. Hope not. Well, that's, that is my hope. <laughs> I keep coming back to this one, but oh my goodness, the others that are waiting in draft yes. form and then the others that are waiting in the imagination. In the imagination oh, still yeah. to come. That's still right. To come. That's right. Well, it's been really wonderful to talk a little bit and we'll be talking more about all of this. Yeah. Um, love talking craft. Craft and checking in on your project. Yes. How the revision is going. Yes. And, um, but we just would like to say, please join us again. Um, next episode. We'll have a guest. <laughs> Who is it? Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> yes. To be revealed. To be revealed. TBA. We have yes. so many wonderful Mr. writers um, that we enjoy and we are excited to bring them on. Yes. And pick their brains so yeah. that you can hear a little bit about their process, what they're working on, how they work. Yeah. What did you say? Oh, 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 yes. Are you a morning writer? Are you, a night? <laughs> are you in the middle of the night writer? <laughs> Do you outline? Do you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Do you only write with a number two pencil? all these good things um and so yes we will and we'll continue to talk craft and talk about the writer's story and find out a little bit more about how each writer came to become a writer yeah so we look forward to having you back for our next writer's story thanks so much